so beautiful. The strings add so much to the service this morning, and the the singers, just such a good job. Thank you. I, I used to, you know, what it was like to have us all in here together, and now I think of my family sitting at home, uh, participating in the service, doing their, doing their thing as well. I bring you grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. It's relatively easy and somewhat perfunctory to preach a sermon on gratitude when things are going very well in the world. It's easy to look around and say, hey, this is good and that's good and we'll give thanks to God for this and here's where people are and it's all good. But in a time of pandemic, in a time where we're at now, where everyone's kind of chomping at the bit, the preacher's got to dig a little deeper into the Word and into life to figure out where gratitude can can be found. This week I found myself in somewhat of an anxious place And to be honest, that's somewhat rare for me. I don't sit and mull around in anxiety, but this week was a little bit of a a rough week. I I sat and wondered, uh, will our school open on site and how will that look? And if we don't go all in on site with our schools, then who will stick around and what will that be like? A little bit more pastor stuff has been going on as people are tired and worn out. As as people have had so little margin in their lives mentally and spiritually, when something happens, they... I was anxious about people with so much anxiety and so little margin for any more bad stuff. I kept thinking, will people continue to struggle and do painful things to themselves or those around them? And when will this break? And all of that was somewhat internal. That that, that was my heart and my mind speaking and and working things out. That was self-talk inside trying to answer the great challenges of this place and time. And like you, I eventually get things worked out. I eventually get it fixed. And about as soon as I got my stuff fixed and my brain in a good place, I got a phone call that our offices had been burglarized this week. And while things like computers and stuff are replaceable, that dirty thief stole my new glasses. And I really liked those glasses, and they looked really good on me, but I'm back to my old glasses today. Those glasses were completely useless to the thief and then to add insult to injury to go down and get get mentally back and physically back I was riding my bike and going down a hill I had no business to go down I went over the handlebars and fell and the wind knocked out of me and I thought Lord I've had enough when we raised our children which seems years and years ago we We did so with what we call the no moping, no griping policy, which was followed shortly by the no feeling sorry for yourself policy. And I hope it's the same with our grandson. I'm fairly certain it will be. Because griping and moping are self-destructive to our souls and lead to a way of negativity and depression and helplessness. We are Christian people. 
So we find our hope and our words and our resolution to both internal and external problems in the Word of God, in the Scriptures. And that's what works. We do, we think, we behave in the way that God has called us to think and do and behave. In our text this morning from Acts chapter 4, Peter and John were put in prison for preaching the name of Jesus. And we catch them as they are sprung from the Huskow. And they are free men again. And they went right back to preaching the gospel. As a matter of fact, they couldn't stop preaching the gospel. They were subversive. Or so it was thought by the government. We hear and talk about the government doing thus and such in our time. But here in Acts chapter 4 is true religious persecution. As political leaders, Herod and Pontius Pilate, had conspired to kill Jesus. And the government hadn't stopped trying to quash the movement that came from the teaching and the person of Jesus of Nazareth. Scripture doesn't record that Peter and John sat around and moped and griped and felt sorry for themselves. Not even in jail does it say, and they cried bitter tears of captivity. Or people came to listen to them gripe, and their griping reached the ears. Rather, they continued to speak the word of God in prison, out of prison, in jail, out of jail, in front of big crowds, one-on-one. The Christian speaking to the community, the Christian speaking to one another. In Acts chapter 4, every time the Christians have opportunity, they speak the word of God. Peter comes back to his chorus that he started in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, Peter says, Salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven by which we are saved. And again, he speaks the gospel to his people and to us this morning. This Jesus whom you crucified is both Lord and Christ. Never quit, never give up, never knuckle under, never mope, never gripe, never feel sorry for yourself. Ever only Peter and John pointing to Jesus, preaching in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus, so subversive, so brutal to those in power. For the name Jesus, Yeshua, the name that means Yahweh saves, leads us to the mission of Jesus, to the forgiveness of our sins. To a word that never departs from our hearts and minds. That name Jesus was emblazoned upon your heart in your baptism. That name Jesus has continued to be imprinted by the word and the spirit of God on your heart and in your soul. When we go back and we think about our identity, who we are and to whom we belong, we go back to the name of Jesus who went to the cross scorning its shame. And once having conquered that cross, delivered that victory to you and me today, this morning, here and now, wherever you're at, as He calls us to live by faith in Him. It is that name of Jesus that gathers us together today. It's that name of Jesus that reminds us that we belong to God. 
like it did for Peter and John and the first century Christians, so does that name Jesus bring hope to us this morning. Jesus is the name under which we live. Jesus is the name that saves us eternally in our time of death. Jesus is the name above all names. And then what happens in Acts chapter 4 verses 29 through 31 is supernatural. Scripture records the people of Christ prayed, spoke the word of God to one another, and many wondrous and miraculous signs were done. They didn't mope, they didn't retreat, rather they advanced. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God boldly. So go back, go back to my Wednesday, my new glasses stolen, going over the handlebars of my mountain bike. Anxiety on my heart, all that stuff seeming to snowball, all the what ifs, all the negativity, all the anger, all the anxiety, then with all of that thinking and all of that behavior. And over the course of time, I've learned to redirect that thinking. The older I get, the faster I'm able to pivot and redirect and to put the best pieces of my life before my mind's eye to move from feeling sorry for myself and griping into a time of gratitude, communion with God, and the peace that passes all understanding. Gratitude drives happiness. Happiness does not drive gratitude. Gratitude drives happiness. I'm grateful to be a grandpa I'm grateful for the loyalty and the love of my daughter, my son and his family, and my wife. Grateful for St. John's and how God has moved in our church and in our community. I'm I'm, I'm grateful for God's generosity to me and my family and to our church. I'm grateful for an ordered heart instead of a chaotic heart. And somehow what comes to mind for me are snippets and pieces of the Word of God, the Scriptures. Some from the catechism, from confirmation growing up. Somehow drilled into my mind are the words of Jesus. Some from a lifetime of singing hymns and praise songs. Some drilled into my skull by my parents. And so the word of God moves my heart at those anxious times. And moves me to a place of peace. It's where I hear God speak directly to me. Sometimes I wish that ground would shake like it did for the first believers here in our text. And then maybe the attention of the the culture would shift. But we can and, and we should do irregardless of whether the ground shakes or not. We should speak that word of God to one another. And this morning, wherever you are, your car, your campsite, your living room, your pajamas, if you're still kind of lounging around in in your place, whether you're together with family and loved ones or you're just with me this morning, I invite you to speak that word of God with me. Because maybe you had a week like I had. And maybe you need an opportunity to refocus, to rethink. To put a better thought, a better peace in your mind's eye. Here's an opportunity 
to refocus. So here we go. If you're with somebody this morning and you'd like to uh, take a moment to look at them and say, I am going to speak the Word of God to you today. I'd invite you right now where you're at to say that. I am going to speak the Word of God to you right now. Wait a minute. How did that picture of my absolutely fantastic, beautiful grandson get on that screen? That's crew Timothy Klinkenberg, who's having church for the second time in his young life with family and loved ones. Something for which to be profoundly grateful. Let's speak the Word of God to one another. Here we go. Let's read together. For I am convinced... I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 8, 38 and 39. Or how about these words from Peter from Acts chapter 10, verses 34 and 35. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears Him and does what is right. Or again, from Galatians chapter 3, verses 26, 27, and 28, read with me. So in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. Galatians 3, 26, 27, and 28. Or the marvelous follow-up for Paul on the name of Jesus from Philippians chapter 2, verses 9, 10, and 11. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Or from Matthew chapter 5 verses 43 and 44, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Speak the word of God with me. If your heart is hurting and, you're, and you've lost someone who you love, speak the word of God from Revelation 7 verse 17. A picture of heaven. A picture of comfort and of peace. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Or finally from Matthew 28, verse 20. The last words of Matthew's gospel. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Speak the word of God to one another. 
Oh, that the ground would shake, that your hearts would be stirred, and your confidence and your hope would wipe away what a moping and griping culture would seek to embed a bitterness inside of our hearts. So instead, we speak the Word of God to ourselves and to one another. We speak that Word that encourages, that Word that unites, that Word that brings confidence. Oh, that the ground would shake and all the griping and moping and fear would cease and that God's Word would be embedded in our hearts. That it would lead us and form us that we as His people who wear His name would have profound confidence and peace in Him. In the name of Jesus, amen.